So before I get into the bulk of what I prepared for this morning, I just want to point out James and John, like they're called by Jesus and they're brazen enough to say, well, if you're really God, can we have front row seats? Can we sit on your left and right hand in glory? And Jesus is like, are you serious? <laughs> um, okay. Did I really, I mean, I wonder if Jesus is second guessing himself, like I called these guys, really? <laughs> so we can take a little comfort in that, knowing that even the 12 disciples were kind of self-centered. They were messed up. They messed up all the time. So we don't have to have it all put together to be disciples of Jesus, to be followers of, of the way. And they had no idea what they were asking of him when he said, are you going to be baptized with me? Are you going to drink the cup I drink? You remember, this is another prophecy into his death. His death was, this is foreshadowing that he would be drinking the cup that his father asked him to drink, which was to die for us and to be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a fire kind of a baptism. They had no idea what they were asking. So these passages in particular, the Mark passage and the Hebrews passage that talks more about Jesus as our great high priest, I believe they are calling us, those of us who profess already to be believers and followers of Jesus, to fill two roles in the kingdom of God, priest and servant. Okay, hold on. Priest. Uh, we're all supposed to be priests? We're all supposed to be priests. Yes. Yes. I'm pretty sure we would rather ignore that. We would rather ignore this calling to be leaders, to be an intercessor between God and people. It's not just up to me or Kevin or any other ordained minister or priest. It's all of us together. And it's one of my jobs as a pastor here to say, no, 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 not just me, you too. Step into the role of priest. And not just a priest who lords over, that's not a priest at all, but a priest from underneath, a servant priest like Jesus. We might find ourselves being rather unqualified. Well, I don't have a degree in anything about the Bible. I don't know where to find anything unless there's a page number. I don't really know how to pray. I don't have the right answers. I don't know what to tell people. I am totally not up for this gig. I'm sorry to say, too bad. <laughs> you don't have to be qualified. You are called. You've said yes to Jesus, and now we need to say yes also to be fellow priests and servants with Jesus. We are a part of this work that he began to heal and reconcile this world unto God. It continues with us. We are his literal, physical body on earth now. That is the only way the kingdom of God comes, is if we are his hands and feet, if we are Jesus to people. In 1 Peter 2, we did not read this this morning, but 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, and then 9 and 10, this is our commissioning to priesthood. It says, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable through Jesus Christ. 
1 Peter 2.9 says, You are a chosen people. You, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into the wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So we are the ones who have a glimpse of God's light, God's glory, God's hope for this world. And it is up to us to open others' eyes to that light, to be that light to others, to be built into the kingdom of God. But what does this mean? What does this mean to be a part of the priesthood of Jesus? Well, I think it starts by taking seriously this description of Jesus' priesthood. So Hebrews 5, which Eric just read for us, it's on page 973 in those black Bibles. Jesus, this describes what Jesus was like as a priest. And we are to do every, Jesus said himself in John, you are to do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. So don't for a second think, well, I can't do that. I'm not Jesus. He said we would do greater things. So we are called and equipped to do what Jesus did. So this passage says in verse 1, priests are put in charge of things pertaining to God on behalf of the people. So we as priests were tasked with bringing the spiritual realities of God's kingdom to light, to life, into the physical realities of earth. This means we are priests not just here at church, We are priests when we are in line at Meijer or when we're doing the dishes or when we're working in our office or when we're making phone calls or writing letters or in a meeting or breaking up fights around the dinner table. You are priests of God's kingdom. And that means to find God, to search for him in all things. And being a priest also means to deal with our sin to deal with sin in general, but starting with our own. Hebrews 5.2 said, The priest is able to deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is subject to weakness. And because of this, he must offer sacrifice for his own sins as well as for the sins of the people. So we come into this priestly role from a place of humility. We don't get to go around wagging our fingers at people, pointing out all of the terrible things they're doing, Even if they are, we come as servants, humble. We are not judgmental and condemning of ourselves either. We can be rather harsh critics of ourselves. We cannot be harsh with others, but gentle and extending the loving and gracious arm of Jesus. To be a priest, verse 7, is to offer up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. So to pray in this way is to be conscious of the gaping chasm between the wholeness of God's kingdom and the brokenness of our world. We are living in this already but not yet of God's kingdom, God's intended peace for all of creation. And our hearts should be broken in two when we read another headline about a school shooting, or we pass by the homeless, or we read about the growing number of children in foster care, or we learn more about this human trafficking crisis, this cannot be. This is not wholeness. 
This is not God's kingdom as it intended. So we cry out to Jesus as he did with gut-wrenching sorrow and tears and earnest pleadings for God's will to be done as it is in heaven. As this kind of priest, prayerful, we begin to find ourselves as part of the solution. We are a bridge between the wholeness of God's kingdom and the brokenness of our world. We begin to bridge, be a bridge between the raging arguments of liberal and conservative politics. We are tasked with bringing the peace of God into conflicts of broken relationships. We find ourselves being bridge builders between the enormous gap that there is existing between wealth and class of rich and poor, white people and people of color, immigrants and bigots. We are the bridge. Reverend Susan Andrews writes, yes, as priest, each of us is called to stretch out our arms, to embrace all that is dissident, becoming a dwelling place of reconciliation where all of creation finds a harmonious home in God's heart. To be a priest is to learn obedience in the middle of suffering, just as Jesus did. Jesus was obedient to death, even death on a cross. This priesthood gig that we're called to is not easy. It's devastating at times, but it is what we're called to embody. And in fact, it really is, it, it, it breaks down what we think and hope and dream of when our eyes are open to this, this kingdom of God that is sort of now, but will be, and the brokenness of the world that we are in that exists in our own families that exists in Monroe and around the world and on every news headline. We are the ones who get to live in this in-betweenness. It's very uncomfortable to live in between God's kingdom and this world. We're the ones whose spiritual eyes have been opened and are being opened more and more to God's realities, to God's grace and peace and love in all people and in all circumstances. But then we blink, and the spiritual reality seems like an impossible dream because just look around. It looks like the world is going to hell in a handbasket. So we, we have to wrestle and struggle and fight to keep sight of God in all things. And when we do manage to see the spiritual realities that are present even in our broken families, even in long board meetings, even in newscasts and in death and loss and poverty and bigotry, we keep on trying to help those around us become aware of this kingdom that is coming. Because we're the ones who see it, and the more we can see it, the more we can hold tight to the vision of God's kingdom reality, the more quickly it comes. To be a priest is to be a servant. The closing line from the gospel passage today was Jesus telling two rather narcissistic disciples 
that they were completely missing the point of following him. Do you see yourself in their story? I know I do. Here they were, following the Messiah, hoping that this would mean greater rewards, status, and privilege. I mean, they had left everything to follow him, so there should be something for them in it, right? (laughs) We can start out with the best intentions. You might leave from here with the greatest intentions, and then you blink, and suddenly our pride and selfishness creeps in all over again. Yet to be a priest like Jesus means setting aside status, even if you deserve it. Hebrews 5, 4 says, And one does not presume to take this honor, but takes it only when called by God. So being a priest means being a servant, leading from a place of submission, underneath, not lording over. A place of servanthood, not authority. Jesus' response to these sons of Zebedee, James and John, is true for us today. Mark 5, 44 to 45. Whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first must be the slave of all. And whoever, for the Son of Man came not to be served. God himself came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This church. This is our call in the kingdom of God, to be servant priests. Not just some of the time, like when we're in church, or when we're doing something especially righteous, like giving the panhandler some loose change, or dropping a donation off at the food bank. But all of the time, we're called to be priests and servants all of the time. We need to be vigilant against our ever-present, creeping-up, selfish mindset of what can I get out of this? What's in it for me? We do this a lot. I mean, don't we even come to church like that? What's in it for me? What can I learn? Will the songs make me feel good? Will someone pray with me? Will anyone notice me? It's really difficult to be servant priests. And if it's hard at church... (laughs) The place where it makes total sense. How much harder is is it to serve others and to bring God's reality into the moment when we're sitting in the doctor's office for two hours or we're on the phone with customer service again or we're dealing with our family's never-ending bickering or we're debating politics one more time. How can we be servant priests? How do we do this in every moment with an attitude of humility and submission? We ask this question, how can I bring God's kingdom into this moment? We do this by following our great high priest Jesus, by setting down our authority and our power for the sake of someone else. We notice the grace of God in every moment, and in so doing, we help to bring God's kingdom to earth as it is in heaven. And it begins now, by coming to Christ's table in obedience. This action allows us to enter, to encounter a taste of God's kingdom in the sacrament, stepping into Jesus' example of both priest and servant of all, 
He made the ultimate sacrifice. He was the ultimate servant in order to bring us to God. These few moments give us a confession, an opportunity to confess, to confess our failings and our selfishness, but also to participate in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of grace and peace, here and now.